All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here. I am back with a repeat guest, Mr. Jeff Moreland, uh, West, Jeff Westmoreland, who was previously on a podcast when we talked about kind of uh, what to do with uh, like regarding dealing with your landlord during COVID, uh, who's also kind of like the founding uh, member of C-Flag, which is the CrossFit Legal Action Group. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, but largely today we're going to talk about is signing a lease. So think absent of COVID, the things that you need to know about signing a lease as a small business owner. Um, but you guys are phase two starts today, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Phase two Absolutely. in Louisiana starts today. Uh, 50% uh, occupancy numbers is, is, is the biggest issue. Uh, that we have for phase two, you can have as many as 50% of your uh, fire marshal occupancy number in the building. So this brings so, up a, this brings up a sneaky question, which is, is your, not all facilities are basically classified correctly. Right. right? So right. if you look at 50% of the capacity of my building, we will never get to that 50% of capacity. Like we could fit right, hundreds right. of people based on the, what it's rated at. But um, what are, what is, do you know, do you happen to know what 50% of your facility is? Uh, I don't, uh, of our facility, we're still sticking probably somewhere between 10 and 15 people per class. Got it. You know, our, our gym owner has got, uh, he's got, uh, 10 foot boxes taped off and, and, and they've been really good. They, uh, he That's and the great. coaches have put all the gear that you need for that wad in that box for that day. That's awesome. Been a lot of a lot of extra work for them, and I uh, appreciate it. CrossFit SBC, shout out, and uh, you know they've done a lot a lot of uh, work with that. But um, yeah, you know that's a funny thing. A lot of these we call them the certificate certificates of occupancy or COs. Uh, these COs, you know, people put, don't pay attention to them when they get them. Um, it, it typically tells you what you're licensed to do in that facility, uh, and and it has your you know fire marshal uh, occupancy number on it. So, um, you know, it, it's called all that stuff's coming up now. We're, we're learning a lot these days. So that's actually like a good place to start, which is when I'm searching a facility, um, it, it, and it, this kind of depends on your locality, but at least in my experience on how stringent they will be with regard to putting a business into a particular facility based on what it is authorized to house, right? So like not every facility is authorized to have a gym in it. Um, right. So with regard to that, um, can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Like what should people be looking at? Who should they ask? Is that the landlord question or is that a city question? Is it a fire marshal question? Yeah. So I'll start uh, kind of with what I said last time. Um, and this is my rule of thumb to all my business clients. You can spend a little bit of money with me as a lawyer on the front end, or you can end up spending a lot of money with me as a lawyer on the back end. Um, I think every box owner should have access to a lawyer. They should have a, a they should find their own lawyer. You are a business. Uh, you are running a business. You should find a, a business uh, related lawyer. Um, your personal injury issues will most likely be handled by insurance. Um, so it's not, you're not necessarily looking for that kind of attorney, but you need to start with a lawyer and you need to start when you're looking at your facility. Um, you need to make sure that you're properly zoned and, and you have the proper, uh, uh, and, and, and that your occupancy 
and what you plan to do in that building will be allowed in that building. Um, and you're right, some, some places are zoned for various kinds of uh, business, but then you start getting people in there who start dropping weights. We have that issue a lot in boxes that are in strip malls. Yep. Um, and, and I would say it's not a landlord question because the landlord wants you in there and the landlord, depending on whether they're uh, nefarious or not, will, will maybe tell you anything to get you in. Um, I would either, you would either go to the city uh, or the municipality that, that you're in, or if you have a lawyer, that lawyer would be able to help you uh, navigate that. But you want to look at your zoning and your occupancy. You want to look at how your noise is going to affect your neighbors. Um, you, yeah, I know. You that's, a, that's a big one. I know of some pretty just horrific stories about the the litigious nature of some of these neighbors when you come in and I get it right. Like dropping weights and everything, depending on where you're at, like it's very disturbing to another business. Right. So that's, that's right. one of the ones that I've heard where just everybody hates the CrossFit gym because of what they do. Right now, a uh, gym that I uh, worked out in when I go to Destin, Florida for vacation is in a strip mall. And so they've got extra rubbery floors. Uh, they have a rule not to dump uh, the barbell above the waist at least during wads. Um, mm. And I've only done wads there for the most part. Yeah. So, you know, they, they have to live with that. They've got to, they've got to deal with that. So, you know, I've heard uh, some other gyms that did like they had to basically cut the slab and, and insert. They're basically like springs essentially to absorb the shock wave as it transferred from one section to the next which wasn't cheap and i know the gym owner that did oh, it it wow. was it yeah. was it was obscenely expensive so uh yeah i mean you could get caught in one of those things the the question i have is okay so let's say i sign this lease and it turns out i'm not zoned to run a gym what problems am i potentially looking at well so you're going to start having problems from your neighbors most likely and they're going to contact the municipality the municipality is going to come and they're going to they're going to cite you for operating outside of your zoning um the problem is is that if your lease doesn't say anything about that uh you might not be able to get out of your lease because of that or if the lease isn't specific on that issue at a minimum you might put yourself in a position where you and your landlord may end up in either in a dispute or litigation um, over that issue. Uh, now, leases say that they have to give you quiet, peaceable enjoyment of the lease. Most of them say that. Yeah. But what that typically means is, you know, uh, I'm going to lease you this place and you're not going to be, uh, and I have good title and you're not going to be evicted uh, for various reasons. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say, and the leases don't typically say, that I'm guaranteeing you as a landlord that, that you're properly zoned here. Mm. Now, a, a good landlord would, will watch out for that and will say, you know, I'm not sure you can do what you want to do here. And, and I, as a, if I were a landlord, I wouldn't want to go through all the trouble to get somebody in just to have now have a battle with my tenant because now they want to leave. Yeah. But you can't expect, you know, I can imagine there are just like there are slumlords in the in the residential rental business. There are probably plenty of slumlords in the uh, typical warehouse box uh, landlord business. The type of uh, boxes that that CrossFit gyms would would rent, 
And so you, you, you cannot rely on your landlord is what I would say on that issue. Yeah, so you could potentially run into an issue where the city says you, have, you cannot operate, but you're not able to break the lease based on that. Is that correct? Right, you, you yeah. could run into that because if the lease is, say that the, say that the landlord's using something they printed off the internet, which is just some plain Jane, very plain Jane lease, you've leased this building for a term and if it doesn't get specific about zoning and the, the actual use and all of that, um, and you know some some states are very uh, landlord friendly, Louisiana uh, particularly, and it's kind of a buyer beware uh, kind of situation uh, in in commercial leasing especially. So you know there's not a lot of laws here that protect uh, a, t a commercial tenant, and so if you're not doing your due diligence, uh, you're getting yourself into at a minimum you're getting yourself into a dispute that could turn into a lawsuit uh, with your landlord. Yeah, the uh, Virginia tends to be a little bit more friendly, not necessarily with regard to the laws, but just with regard to adjudication of any uh, anything that would make it to like circuit or civil court. They tend to err on the side of the tenants. Um, I just, I know some of the judge and they just don't really look very kindly on the, on the landlords in a lot of those scenarios, which is good for me, but. And, and sometimes that does happen. Um, but, you know, in, in most states, the, the, the lease is the contract between the parties and what it says, uh, it says. And so, uh, and, and courts will hold you to the lease a, a lot of times. So, again, on your front end, when you're on your front end on this issue, due diligence is extremely important. You know, I don't know how many box owners who've located in strip malls went in there uh not thinking that their neighbors were going to be a problem i would imagine most people have enough sense to to really look into that but there's yeah. what's interesting is <laughs> I, know, interesting. I know more than enough people that have been yeah. in issues with that so it can't be that many you know i know i mean yeah and there's a lot of boxes in in strip malls where you're sharing a common wall with a neighbor um but uh you know we now in that scenario you i can i can mitigate some of that right so like i can't i there I don't know how realistic it is, and I don't even know if I would want a gym where I couldn't drop weights on the floor, just from a pure safety standpoint. Like the, there's an appropriate time to drop a weight, and, and rather than try to bring it down, because I can get a little a little Correct. sketch uh, sketch at times. But if that is the case, you shouldn't be mounting anything to the walls. Like you shouldn't have your pull-up rig mounted to the wall. Like everything should be mounted directly to the floor. You can come up with rig designs for that. But those, yeah, I mean, if you are mounting things to the wall in that scenario, you are just asking people to hate your guts absolutely you know I, we used to have a separate title company and we rented space next door to a dance studio and they the tap classes uh were so loud that we ended up having to they ended landlord ended up having to do a lot of work uh to to mitigate the sound coming from that tap studio uh, and so that we and we had a title company, so we're trying to do uh, closings and examine uh, title. You know, you can't have you know just this drumming going on that's rattling the walls and the floor. Uh, so, you know, that is a that is a big issue. Due diligence, um, and I I would recommend that you you get a lawyer that you can at least have access to and and ask questions uh, of from the very beginning. And I can tell you that a huge number of people do not do that. Um, oh, I'm totally guilty of that. 
and I've signed multiple leases, but in the early days, it was just like, yep, yep, I'll sign it. Just like, just let me start doing burpees in that in that shitty right, warehouse right, over right, there. Right. <laughs> I'll sign anything. You know, uh, and I, again, I said this on the last podcast. You know, you you can find lawyers who will work with you and who will not gouge a new business owner. Uh, you may have to look a little harder, and you may not be able to get lawyers in some of these larger firms that have quotas billing quotas, but you can find them. Um, and, you know, uh, so, you know, you just have to look, um, not every lawyer is going to charge you an arm and a leg, uh, or an arm and a leg every time you talk to them. Um, so you, they're out there. You just have to look for them. Cool. So let's go down that rabbit hole of due diligence. So the first one is probably consult a lawyer, but, I always prefer to at least be competent in the subject so that I can have a conversation with my lawyer, right? So that, that I can just verify that what the lawyer is telling me is actually correct. So some of the other things I just like off the top of my head is like, how do you determine what fair square foot per um, uh, dollar per square foot is? Uh, things like cam or triple net that people have probably heard of, but don't necessarily really know what they mean. Um, so I want to start there because those are the typically the ones that get rolled into the lease, but people kind of glaze over because they're not entirely sure what the hell they mean. They're just like, okay, uh, yeah, whatever. It's, this is what I owe you each month. You know? Right. I mean, the real estate world, especially the commercial real estate world has all sorts of, you know, um, acronyms, CAM and, you know, common area maintenance and, and, you know, lots of, you know, verbiage that people don't understand and then they feel insecure when they're talking to their landlord. Uh, one thing that you can do is you can uh, obtain a commercial real estate agent because the, because the landlord pays the commission Correct. Uh, and, and you as the tenant do not pay a commission and they can help you find a space that is properly zoned, that is, that is well priced, um, you know, and, and they know the, the price per square foot uh, breakdowns, but you, yeah, you're exactly right. You don't want to just go in and say, Oh, I, I can afford that rent per month. Uh, even because you don't know whether that rent is actually double what it's really, what that building's really worth. Um, the other issues are uh, you need to definitely um know the condition of your building and find out are, you know, in the lease, are you responsible for the air HVAC? Are you responsible for repairs? So that was, I was going to save that for later, but since we're there, okay. let's talk about that. So I just, cause that's a big one, right? People don't read that to determine it, you know, who's responsible for what. And I know it absolutely depends on the terms of the lease, but typically what would be a fairly written lease from from the standpoint of a tenant what would what should i be responsible for in the building well it, it is very negotiable but typically the landlord is responsible definitely for the shell for the roof and and the structure and the outside um the inside walls the parking lot um then you start to get into the uh the negotiable you know a lot of times um the tenant is responsible for maybe HVAC uh, mm -hmm. maintenance, but, but bigger repairs or major repairs are on the landlord, but that that's negotiable because if a tenant doesn't take care of the HVAC, then it makes the repair more expensive for the landlord. Mm -hmm. um, then you start negotiating 
about whether the tenant is responsible for, for plumbing repairs or electrical repairs. I, I would use this rule of thumb. You know, when we buy a home, we hire a home inspector, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody does that. I would say that as a, as a, as a tenant, now I know if you're a brand new box owner and you barely got any money to spend, the last thing you want to do is keep hiring all these people. But you, if you're going to, if you're in a lease where you're responsible for a lot of the building and a lot of the repairs, you're going to need somebody to go through that building and look at it. Now, either you hire a home inspector type of person mm -hmm. or you, or you get a general contractor. Maybe you have a general contractor who's a friend, uh, or who will do it for a minimal price and go through and point out things, tell you where things aren't to code. Yeah, you know, I can imagine in a lot of these warehouses, you know, wiring's not to code, all sorts of things, you know. Oh, so I mean, I could just speak to my building, which is like 30 years old. You're not gonna find a ground wire in this joint. I mean, it is nuts. <laughs> I've pulled some wires on, I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Like I've had to hire electricians to come in and 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 done some plumbing stuff. Um, but he, I mean, on that note, what I will say is whatever you're going to pay this person, let's go on the high end and say you pay somebody 500 bucks to come right. in and look at that. I can almost guarantee you that they are going to find something that is going to cost you more than 500 bucks to fix it. And it may not need to be fixed right then and there. So it might not have cost you uh, or the landlord, like it might not have necessarily need to be repaired, but eventually it will have need to be repaired. And I can almost guarantee, I mean, it's going to cost for an electrician, 120 bucks to have them come out and tell you that something's wrong. Right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So it, it's going to be well worth your money. And it also could save you way more than that. Let's, let's just use a round numbers here. Let's just say that your rent was 4,000 a month. Right. So we'll just call it on average about 50 grand a year. And you signed a five-year lease. That's a quarter of a million dollars. So they could save me from signing a really shitty quarter of a million dollar lease over five years that I, that I'm going to be miserable in starting at like month three. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, exactly. You're the more that you're going to be responsible for the more money you want to put in before you, before you get in there. Um, and so you really want to read that carefully uh, and, and figure out exactly. And that, you know, what's funny is in typically in those lease in leases and, I'd say 70 to 80% of, of every commercial lease, the portions about what the, what the landlord and the tenant are responsible for are typically at least in the second half of the lease, if not the last third. And so what happens is people start looking at these leases and their eyes roll back in their head and glaze over and, and they never even get to that part. They look at the, the lease term and the rent and you know maybe anything that has numbers on it uh and then and then they don't get to that part and uh and we'll get to force majeure in, in a little bit again mm. but force majeure is almost always towards the end yep. and so some of these things that are important that'll come out back to bite you are at the end of the lease well that's what the lawyer's for they mm. get paid to look at that stuff and not to let their eyes roll back in their head and fall asleep and and then bring it up with you um so you know the other issue you asked about is is cam you know you need to you need to get numbers from your landlord on what the common area maintenance uh expenses are per year it's just like when you buy a home you don't just care about what the promissory note payment is every month mm -hmm. you've got 
escrows for taxes and insurance. insurance Same yeah. thing here. Uh, typically on a commercial lease, you're going to pay your share of the taxes and insurance for that building that the landlord carries. And so uh, you need to know what all of those numbers are, not what the base rent is, but what everything is. And um, this would, we could throw all of this in a bucket and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jeff, but like all of these things we're talking about. So we're talking about cam, like you, some, some of the utilities and taxes, like these would all be basically things that are passed through. So like these are passed pass through fees that exactly. go through to the tenant. So as the landlord, yes, they, they do pay the bill, but the tenant, actually puts the money into the account. So I technically I pay them, but I pay them as a pass through to the landlord. So you need to figure out what those are because it's like just real estate taxes could have a significant impact on your co cost of lease, depending on where you're at. Correct. And, and, you know, if you're making, if you or the landlord are making a lot of uh, improvements to this space to get you in there, your real estate taxes could jump up the next year because if the assessor notices that or comes back through and sends an inspector out there, all of a sudden, you know, uh, you had, you had this dingy building and now you've, now you've got it really nice and you've put mm -hmm. a lot into it, your real estate taxes could jump up the next year. So uh, you really need to be looking at all of that um, and, and, and asking your landlord, what, what is an example of what I'm going to be paying on top of rent? Um, uh, those are things that people, you know, I don't think sometimes they take into account. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we talked last time, people were deferring some, some landlords were deferring rent, but they weren't deferring any of the cam or the insurance or taxes because they weren't getting any deferrals on insurance or taxes themselves. Yeah. So, you know, they, they might've deferred or done something with rent, but you still got to pay all of, all of the costs. Um, and so, you know, those are just issues that you really need to be looking at. So don't just look at what you, what you think your base rent is uh, and sign the lease um, because it's, you know, the pass-throughs and what people sometimes say are hidden costs, you mm -hmm. know. So on those hidden costs, which are sometimes hidden, sometimes not, what, what should people be looking at with regard to utilities? Um, so you should be able to get a history uh, of the building utilities. Either you can get it or the landlord can get it. Now, you also got to remember that, you know, depending on what the prior use was and your use, you know, um, now, thankfully for CrossFit boxes, you know, uh, if you don't run the air conditioner mm -hmm. or don't have an air conditioner, then your only real utilities are just lights yep. uh, generally. Right. So uh, but you need a history on those. Um, and obviously you're gonna be responsible for your own utilities. Uh, some properties have issues with separate metering. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't wanna share a meter uh, with your neighbor and have the landlord figure out who's responsible for what. Um, if you're gonna require a separate meter, the landlord may want you to pay for that installation or at least yeah. split it. Um, but those are things that, to consider, you know. Um, and I guarantee you, uh, a lot of bill, uh, tenants don't consider that. Um, I, that is one thing I never, it just, for whatever reason, it never crossed my mind when, when getting lease. I'm like, what would it cost to turn the lights on an 11,000 square foot building? You're like, probably right. not cheap, you know? And then I'm like, okay, well then, and then we weren't running the AC before. I mean, I know exactly what it costs us now, but you know, whatever it was when we originally signed this lease, I don't know eight years ago that was 
1000% not a question I would have asked. And that's, that can be a significant chunk of your operating costs. You know, like to turn lights on and run the AC in our building is probably somewhere around 700 bucks, you know, and that's, yeah, like, yeah. you know, just on average, but um, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, you just, let's just round it up and just say it's a thousand, right? Like just say somebody leaves the AC on like once or twice here and there and like, boom, that's going to jump up. And uh, so now it's a $12,000 a year cost that I need to factor in, you know, like I, I consider that that's, that's rent. You know, like, if, because I can't operate the facility without utilities. Now, water is typically, uh, that is typically split between tenants, correct? Yeah, a lot of times it is. Um, again, depending on how sophisticated your 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 building is, um, it could be separately metered or it could be split. Uh, again, with a CrossFit box, water's not going to be a huge, uh, a huge expense. Um, so, you know, again, you got to watch that. One thing that just came to my mind though, Fern, that I would say to, as you're these questions, say that you're a new box, it's your first box, first business, uh, you've only rented apartments in your life. You've never mm -hmm. had to buy a house. Yep. If you find that you can't, you don't have the money or the resources to, to get a lawyer or maybe even a commercial realtor. If you have a friend who's a residential realtor. If you yeah. just told them, look, can I take you to lunch and just ask you some questions? Because things like, uh, you know, you think about when you buy a house, if you ever bought a house, most of the time when you walk in to look at the house, they've got a, a sheet on the kitchen table that has, you know, last year's utilities, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the electric water, you know, those are things that realtors think about that we don't think about every day. Mm -hmm. And so j even if, even if you don't have any other options, if you could find a, a residential realtor friend and just say, can I take you to lunch and ask you questions? You'll learn more from, from that lunch than, than you probably would uh, believe. So a hundred percent. And some of those people, they might not be in the commercial space. They could do that deal for you. And if like, and they could probably cut you a deal on commission. I know plenty of them that would do that for you. Right. Right. Or they'll um, find you a commercial realtor that, that you can afford. I mean, there's yep. all sorts of resources. They, um, um, the other thing they can do is they can pull stuff off of like guide star and uh, net. What's the other one? I forget what it is. I don't know if they're different, but they can pull comps and they can say that building's not worth whatever, $10 a square right, foot. Right. Like you need to go in there and negotiate that a little better because the landlord's always going to go high. Um, Absolutely. So they can, they well, can pull some of that stuff for you. They can, and they can look at uh, lease history too, I believe. Um, yeah. One of the things we were, we were talking about earlier, as, as you start to do this, you know, you need to do your homework as the tenant. You need to kind of, you know, with, and with Google, I mean, you can pretty much, you know, uh, being a tenant, tenant for dummies or, you know, you need mm -hmm. to learn some of these issues. You need to look, I mean, if you don't, then someone's going to be talking about cam and you don't have any idea what they're even talking about you like, know sure yeah. whatever that's fine you're saying like, the word pa pass throughs and you're like well are we talking about like pvc my pipe my stomach <laughs> you know or, or are we, are we talking, talking about getting warmed up for the snatch what are we talking about yeah so you know uh so you know uh, you need to you need to educate yourself so you so you don't get taken i mean that's just the bottom line so the next two things I had for you with were kind of, which are kind of more along the lines of like things that are beneficial for me as the tenant, right? So we've covered some of the, like, just, these are absolutes. You just need to cut, check these boxes because that's just smart. 
Now, the part where nobody tells you, and no, and they're sure shit not gonna tell you unless you have a um, somebody who's gonna a broker that's gonna do it on your behalf, are things like TI or tenant improvement and abated rent. So, in my experience, which is I don't know whatever ten years uh, of doing this, the <laughs> The ability to get TI and abated rent basically falls in one of two buckets. And those buckets are almost 100% determined on the age and saltiness of the owner of the facility. <laughs> so right, right. if they're older, they're like, you don't get shit, sign the lease or get out of here. And if they're a little right. bit younger, they're like, let's do a deal, man. I know that what's good for you is good for me. So um, can you dive in a little bit on those? Because most people have no idea that they can get potentially improvement from the landlord and also have a potential scenario where they can, I mean, I know people that have not paid rent for up to a year on signing a lease. Right. So, yeah. So TI is tenant improvements. And, and what happens is, you know, you would negotiate with your landlord for them to do certain things to the building in order to either get you in there or help uh, the business that you're going to operate in there. Now, what typically happens is, they'll take that TI and they will amortize it over the term of the lease. And they're going to add that to your rent because, or to some degree, because they've got to recoup that money unless mm -hmm. it's just, unless it's just things like, let's say that none of the wiring's up to the code and you know, they got to get it up to code just to rent the place. They're, they're not going to probably charge that back to you, or at least not all of it. Um, so, you know, you can negotiate that and, and, try to get certain things that will, will benefit your business. Um, and then a lot of times they won't charge you rent until you're ready, until it's move in ready. So you, you do get abated or deferred rent. Um, and there's, there's other ways to, you know, to do that. Tip the typical example is when somebody's trying to do work, uh, on the space and to get in there that you don't pay rent from the day that you, sign the lease you pay rent from the day that you occupy it yeah. um, or some you know uh the sooner to occur you know 60 days or occupancy mm -hmm. things like that so those are possibilities um to discuss with your landlord uh but like, yeah perfect example let's say for a box owner i sign a lease on june 1 okay but it's going to take me 45 days to get all my equipment in from rogue and get it all assembled paint the walls yeah like, you know, all that yeah. stuff and so what you want to do is you want to try to find a way to maybe not have to pay all that rent while you're not actually operating and landlords will sometimes work with you it depends again like you said on the landlord how desirable the space is how 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 uh easy it is to rent Mm -hmm. uh, if, if it's been sitting vacant and they're dying to rent it, they, they will probably work with you. Um, I found it beneficial to um, kind of like what we discussed on the previous podcast, which is don't ask them for free rent. So for instance, so like, so for, uh, what was this? Uh, like almost three years ago. So about three years ago, we expanded. We were sitting in about the 6,000 square feet and there was like an additional 5,000 next, next door but there was a ton of demo that needed to be done. And I was going to do all the demo and then we were going to basically have to beautify the space. And the landlord and I negotiated for like three months. And mind you, this is a space that has been empty, not occupied for like seven years, like not one tenant in there. And he's like, well, we've never given a beta rent to everybody. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, I, it's going to take me a month just to rip all that shit out of there. 
and I'm going to improve your building. So I need you to work with me. I'm not going to have that operational for a minimum of 60 days. There's wiring work in there. I got to put a damn hole in this wall, all this stuff. I got to rip out this weird thing structure that's in there that I don't even know what that's for. Um, so what we did was when we basically signed a new lease, what I did was just take that. I think it was for like three, it was like 36 plus three, right? So it's just like, I'm not asking for free. Just give me the first three months and we'll sign a three year lease plus an additional three months so that you can get that back on the back end. Exactly. Like, oh, that's fine. You know? Yeah. And that's what, that's what's happening with a lot of these rent deferments on, yeah. on for COVID issues, same thing. And, uh, or at a minimum, you can get the, the landlord to charge you significantly reduced rent, you know, yeah. if they're not going to give you the, the abatement. Um, and so, yeah, but, but the person who doesn't know, and again, you got to remember this, the landlord's job is not to hold your hand. And so you walk in and you say, I'll lease it today. Uh, and and you a sign check. a lease and give him a check. He's not going to say, the landlord's not going to say anything about the fact it's going to take you 40 to 45 to 60 days to get up and running. Um, and they're just going to take your money and they're going to go back to the house. Yeah. So um, you need to be aware of that and be aware that you can try to negotiate that uh, to your benefit. Now, what about a deposit? Is that, I know like if I'm going to rent a spot, I got to put it down a deposit. Is that pretty standard? Deposits like, are pretty like, standard. Per, like personally, if I'm going to rent an apartment, I got to put it on deposit. Right. And typically it's around a month's rent. Yeah. Uh, the idea is, is if you skip out, you know, uh, a, a month early and that happens sometimes, you know, that you skip out before the lease is almost out, you know, that's why it's usually around a month's rent. Um, but that's, that's pretty typical. Uh, and that's also not an expense that people are generally prepared for. And I don't know why I, I know I wasn't, I remember the first time I, I signed the lease, they're like, all right, we need that deposit. And I was like, what deposit? Oh yeah. So that's <laughs> like, an extra month's rent. Like, yeah. oh, they're like, we, we just signed a dummy. And I was like, oh, great. Um, so yeah, be prepared in your startup costs to basically just throw an extra month rent on the front end of that. So whatever one right. month's rent is like, I got to cut a check for that immediately. Yeah. And I don't know, I haven't seen this uh, really in commercial leasing, but you know, like if you're in a, if you're in a, a very desirable uh, place to live and housing's hard to find, you know, some of these landlords will charge you first and last month. Yes. So now you're correct. Now you're, and so you don't see that as much in, in commercial leasing, but depends on where you are uh, and, or the, or the deposit will be more than a month's rent. Mm -hmm. um, so um other issues you need to be aware of that are related to the deposit is, is what does the lease say about how you're going to leave the property? You know, are you going to be able to get that deposit back uh, when you leave the property or are you going to put so many holes in the wall, mounting your rigs and things that you'll never get your deposit back. So you need to be looking at your obligation of returning the property and in what condition. Um, yeah. And that's a weird one too, because it's usually very vague. So I think it's worth asking the question that when it's, it'll be something like, you know, usable. <laughs> and I'm like, right, right. What, like, what the hell does that mean? Am I expected to patch all the walls and, and basically white label this thing? Or is that the next person's job? You know, cause like, think about it, like a, a CrossFit gym, who's like, shit, our gym, there's logos all over the place painted on the wall. I, to be quite frank with you, I don't even know if I have to white label that stuff if I if I ever leave here. Right. So a lot, and it'll say something. And it like, costs you know, a lot to to paint that. So nor, normal wear and tear accepted, you know. And so what is normal wear and tear? I had a lawsuit uh, years ago 
when a, a restaurant left, it, I won't say it was a, it was a, it was a fast food chain. They left this building. They'd been there a long time. And so we argued about what normal wear and tear was. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were, you know, the example, they were responsible for keeping the parking lot up and they left with just these massive potholes in the parking lot. And they said it was normal wear and tear because they'd been there so long. And our argument was no, no, I mean, you should have filled those potholes. And so, I mean, this list of repairs that my landlord uh, was going to have to do was over $50,000. And so they, they told us to stick it and we filed a lawsuit. We ultimately settled it for, (laughs) you know, we ultimately settled it. We had to sit down with the lawyers and go line item, go through every line item and, agree to some and not, we ultimately settled it, but you know, it's like kind of like it, buying a house from somebody. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll pay for this upgrade, but I'm not paying for that. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so you need to be aware of how you're going to have to leave that. And especially with CrossFit boxes, because you know, walls get marked up, mm-hmm. you know, weights roll into something and they bust some sheetrock or whatever, you know, I mean, and, they could not be cool with you anchoring things to the floor. Right. Right. They're just yeah. like, Hey, you cannot drill into the foundation like that. That's a thing. Some people will not let you do that. I mean, it's very rare, but, um, and, yeah, you, know, you think you about putting a pull-up your... rig in there, like, listen, yeah. man, I'm going to put, I'm going to put some three, some three agents holes and anchors in this thing. And they might just say, cool. They just need to be grinded out to a smooth, uh, level when you leave, you know? Correct. You need to cover that with your landlord and, and it all needs to be in the lease, but yeah, you can't expect to just lease a facility and then start drilling into the, into the slab to be able to anchor things. So you need to, you need to make sure that you uh, have covered all that with the landlord, but also make sure it's all in the lease. Um, so on that same note, what, like, what should people is, or are there questions that people should ask with regard to construction, right? Meaning, um, so I've got a big lobby in here. Like, do I, should I call my landlord if I'm going to have a drywall come in and frame up some things and hang more drywall and, and essentially change the, the structure that I, that I was renting? Oh, I, I believe so. I mean, first of all, I think you would want to, uh, you know, I, I don't think that being a tenant is a place where you use the mantra, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Mm-hmm. Um, because the problem is, is once you do it, you want to ask for forgiveness. If they don't agree with you, they hold, uh, they hold eviction over your head. And so, yeah. you know, so if you're going to make substantial changes and your lease should, your lease should address that. It should say, I mean, some, some in office space, um, you know, leases in nice office space. I mean, you have to get approval to hang things on the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now a CrossFit box is different, but it, sh- it still should address improvements and to what extent you can do improvements without landlord approval. But, but, you know, you might have a salty, you know, grumpy landlord who doesn't want you to do anything. And you're trying to explain to them, I'm going to make this place better. And they'll say, well, I'm sorry. I just don't want you to do it. But at least you asked, because if you hadn't asked and the landlord came through uh, and asked why you, you know, put this here, or especially if you're going to tear anything down, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, uh, but it really should all be addressed in your lease. Um, and, and you need to think ahead. It's a great point. You need to think ahead on that and think, okay, you know, I love the way it is now, but what if in two years I want to do something else? Um, I need to go ahead and address in my lease that, 
you know, what will happen or what procedures I have to go through if I want to do some changes. Uh, what about personally guaranteeing things? So people hear about this, but I, A, I don't think most people understand what that means. And then B, what are my workarounds um, to not do that? All right. So when you personally guarantee a lease, hopefully when you open your business, you're opening your CrossFit box in the name of a corporation or an LLC. Uh, the main reason being is it provides uh, a great deal of liability shield. It means that the business, the LLC or the corporation is the one doing the business. And that's who people get to sue when they have injuries, when they have problems, uh, they don't get to sue you individually. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole a whole nother reason why you need a business lawyer to explain how to properly run those LLCs and corporations so that you protect that liability. Uh, and when you, when you don't, it's called piercing the corporate veil where they sue you and go through past the corporate entity and they come directly to you as the sole shareholder or you and your spouse as the two shareholders. Uh, which basically, yeah, which basically would mean if I personally guaranteed this lease and I, default on that for whatever reason now they're like hey i want your house as collateral for that right i mean now they're going to come after you personally so hopefully you set up an llc or corporation you're going to sign the lease in the name of that llc or corporation now i'll be honest with you any good landlord who knows anything about anything is not going to only lease to the llc they're going to want your personal guarantee because they know that that llc doesn't have any real assets yeah. um you know not substantial assets anyway so, yeah, so typically, and it, so you correct me if I'm wrong here, typically as a new business owner, I'm not aware there's any way out of that, right? Like you're going to probably have to personally guarantee that. Now, I think so. Now, if you've been around a little bit more and, and I've got like a, um, my business is a little bit more seasoned and now I do have assets for that. So for instance, for instance, I'm just thinking about like the amount of assets I have in this building, right? Like things that I could sell that would have actual value. It's well over a hundred thousand dollars. So at that point, uh, this is kind of the conversation because this is a conversation I have with my lawyer. He's like, at some point when your business is established, that's not required anymore. They're just like, Hey, this business has assets. It's worth something that's guarantee enough. You don't have the, and I can remove the personal aspect from that. Um, and I, and some of that, correct me if I'm wrong, would, would also deter, uh, depend on how your business is structured, uh, LLC potentially versus S corp and a couple other things. Right. So exactly. And one of the things you can try to do is if you have to sign the guarantee, you could also have a provision in the lease that says, if I pay on time for a certain amount of time every month on time, I'm never late you're going to drop this guarantee. You're going to destroy it after, you know, three years, one year, two years, three years, whatever. See if your landlord will, will agree to that so that uh, you have a guarantee in the short run, but in the long run uh, you build up the relationship and the trust with your landlord that they're going to drop it. The other issue is, and that brings up what I want to talk about in a minute, the landlord's lien. Most mm -hmm. States have a landlord's lien. So in your scenario, exactly what you're talking about, let's say you get four months behind on rent and say he doesn't have a personal guarantee. And I, I keep saying he, I, you know, I'm just talking about the landlord. Mm. Uh, you, you, you know, my point, but we're not um, sexist here on best hour. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I just, um, so the landlord, the landlord, you know, 
you owe you owe the landlord four months rent. Uh, they only have a, a, a lease with your LLC. But in most states, and I'm probably sure pretty much all states, you have what's called a landlord's lien, where you can um, come in and seize that seize the items in the space in order to sell them to uh, cure the, def the default. Um, in Louisiana, you have to do it through a judge. Uh, I'm sure most states are like that, but you can go without even telling the landlord or the land, land uh, excuse me, the tenant or the tenant's lawyer. You're not required to tell them that you're coming to do it. And why is that? Because of course, some of these tenants will move everything out of the building before you mm -hmm. can get there. Uh, but I've done a lot of, uh, we call them sequestrations here in Louisiana. I've done a lot of sequestrations where I've literally shown up and seized everything in the space. Um, and sometimes you seize it in place where the sheriff puts stickers on it and yep. it's a, it's a violation doors. of yep. the cords or Yeah. And so, um, but if you have assets, you might be able to tell, convince the landlord that, you know, there's plenty of, of assets here for you and they're all owned by the LLC. Um, and you might be able to get away with the personal guarantee. Um, the other thing you can do is, you know, you can show the landlord your financial statement for your business. And if it shows that you've got, you know, cash on hand and, 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 uh, things like that, they may be able to, uh, waive the personal guarantee. But for the most part, if you're a new business owner, you're going to sign that thing. And what that means is, is means that you are personally responsible, personally liable for every aspect of that lease, just as if you had signed it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so the biggest thing that means is if you don't pay the rent or any money is owed, they're going to be able to come to you to get that. And what that means is, um, that can affect your personal credit. If you are having a dispute with your landlord over money, they turn you into a credit bureau. It's going to go on your credit report mm -hmm. at a minimum. Um, and so you, you just need to be aware of what that guarantee does. And you also need to find ways to try to mitigate it. One way might be, you know, seeing if the landlord would let you relinquish the guarantee after you had performed on the lease for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, if the landlord doesn't know you from Adam, they may not they may not agree to that. Yeah, don't still. be. Yeah, you, nobody should be shocked if you don't get that. But it is worth the ask. Just know if you're a newer business or you're a startup, you you I you're you're gonna sign. You're gonna personally guarantee it. Like there's there's no way. Like that's that, because that's just smart on the landlord's part, right? They're not trying to be right. an asshole, but that's an asset they're trying to protect. Um, uh, a couple more, man. I mean, then I think we've, I don't want to say we covered it all, but we covered a lot. So triple net and then short versus long-term. And, and I asked those together because my understanding of is that will like the duration of the lease, when I say short versus long-term, I'm talking about something like a year versus five, um, can have effect on how the lease is written. So what right. should people kind of know about that? So, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's a happy medium to try to figure out you know, typically people will say, well, I don't want to be committed for a long period of time, but if you get a business in this location, particularly a CrossFit box and it starts to get up and running and it gets successful. And let's just say you have a two year lease with no requirement by the landlord to renew you. Uh, if the landlord decides they want to go in a different direction or have a better offer uh, or a different kind of offer, you may find yourself looking for a new home after a couple of years. 
So you just kind of have to, you have to look at it and really be smart about, um, and then the flip side of course is you get in a five-year lease and you find out that this isn't where you want to be, or it's not the kind of facility you want. And now you're stuck with a five-year lease. Um, so you, you really have to think long-term uh, about that. I would say typically erring on the side of shorter is better probably if I had to pick one. So um, what's short on that note? Uh, what, what would you consider short? Because that because I think some there's probably a, a million different interpretations of what short term is. Yeah, so I would say I mean one year is really short. Uh, a okay. two or three year lease is still pretty short. Um, okay. Five years to seven years are probably uh, five year I'd say is is somewhat typical. Um, seven to ten is a is a longer period of time. Okay. Um, yeah, I think my know. first couple were three. And then right. after that, it was five. Now, what about, because I do know people that have done this, have uh, kind of like, what if we were just like, you know, split the baby in half and say, hey, can I do uh, like two years with a three-year option? Correct. After that. Yeah. And that's a great, great uh, option to have is that, you know, you have two years and as long as you notify the landlord by a certain time, the landlord is thus required to lease to you for another period of time. But what you have to remember is you've got people get complacent and they don't give the option notice in time. They go, mm. Oh, Oh crap. My lease comes up in three months and you go and grab the lease and say, I want to renew. And the landlord says, you were supposed to have told me uh, six months before the end of the term or, you know, so now I'm not obligated and it turns out I got somebody else coming in that's going to put that's going to, make this place pretty and, and pay me more rent. So um, you, you, if you get the option, you need to have that on your calendar. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't use paper calendars anymore. We use Outlook or something of that nature. You need to go on there. But a reminder. Know, three years down the road and put it on your calendar and to remind you. Alert number one, alert number yeah. two, alert number three on there. I can't tell you how many people miss the deadline to, to, to either notify to get out or notify to, to exercise an option to, to add another term. Um, now, if you have a nice landlord or the facts work out in your favor, then hey, it might work out for you, but uh, there's plenty of scenarios where it does not. Um, and I would imagine that's kind of the same when you're coming up on renewal, right? So is there something, somebody should say, hey, we're up for renewal, like my, the end of my five-year lease is up and right. things are cranking what should I be considering? And let's, let's make the assumption that I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here. I'm happy where I'm at. There's nothing right. available for me to go anywhere. What things should I consider with regard to renegotiating that? Because more often than not, I think it's a fair assumption that that renewal is not going to look the same as the one I signed five years ago. Like rent's probably going up and it probably went up 3% every year anyway. But, right, right. So um, rent's going to go up. Um, that's a good time to try to get out of a personal guarantee. You know, say, look, I was here for five years. You know, yeah. I'm a good tenant. Uh, I pay on time for the most part. You haven't had any problems with me. That's a good time to get out of a personal guarantee. Your rent's probably going to go up. It's a good time for you to also negotiate um, some of the issues that you've been, you know, that you might have seen over the years mm -hmm. uh, because the landlord knows that you're a good tenant. They want to keep you there. Um, and so, 
you know, it's it, now you have, while rent will go up, you have, a, you might have a little bit more bargaining power than you had originally. That's where I was, that's exactly where I was yeah. going to go with that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And so, you know, they want you there. Um, I, you know, I have rental property. I've owned commercial rental property in the past, but right now I just have residential rental property mm -hmm. and uh, nothing I love more than a long-term tenant, you know? Exactly. Uh, I mean, if you're in the rental business, that's what you want. It's somebody who's going to stay there. And I'm looking there. for a hundred percent occupancy. <laughs> Only every now and then does, does a landlord come to you and say, ah, no, I'm not going to renew because I've got a much better deal uh, happening here. Yeah. So, the, and only the, the handful I know of people that I know that have been through that was, were due to sale of the property. Like it was just basically right. sold out from under them because the landlord's like, Hey, they're going to give me 3.5 million for the building. So I'm out, you know? Um, uh, so a, a real quick aside, Fern, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, you need to find, there's another reason why you want a lawyer. You need to record in the public records, your lease or what's called a memorandum of lease. Um, that helps, uh, you not get the building sold out from under you. Um, because okay. now it's in the public records and a buyer is deemed to, to know about it and be bound by it. Um, and so, uh, you want to, uh, typically record the lease or a memorandum of the lease in the public records. So on that note, cause I know one person that's turned out really well for them and a couple people that it did not turn out well for them. The, what what right do I have as a tenant? So let's say I'm in a five-year lease and the landlord comes like, Hey, you got to be out. And I'm three years into this landlord comes to me and they're just like, you got to be out in uh, four months. Cause I sold the building. Is that okay? No. Okay. Um, now you don't have a cause of action against the buyer mm. if you don't have your lease recorded. Okay? okay. But you do have a cause of action against your landlord because the landlord just breached the lease. What I talked about earlier was the peaceable possession that's typically it's it's in a lease almost mm -hmm. every lease but it's also generally assumed that i'm going to and i have to provide you that possession and perform through the lease as the landlord and if i sell the building out from under you um now you have a cause of action against me for the damages that it, that it did to your business mm -hmm. uh if you have moving expenses if you if you go to another location and your rent goes up all of those are possible recoveries for you against that mm -hmm. landlord. Um, I, yeah, I know but, one guy who that, that happened. I know yeah. one guy who that happened. He got a nice payout for that. Yeah, but that doesn't still doesn't help you with your, um, you know, having to relocate your business. Now, what you can do is you can also file suit to enforce the lease, and you might be able in certain states you might be able to hold up the sale, uh, hold up the sale, or hold up them kicking you out. Um, oh, that's, at least that's long, a fair. buy yourself some, buy yourself some time. Yeah. You know? Um, the um, last thing, and then I want to get to the, the C flag stuff that you brought up earlier. Right, right. Um, is it worth, so let's say, let's say I'm, let's say I'm, you know, got my ducks in a row and I'm thinking ahead and I'm like, I want to own some real estate at some point. Is it worth asking for first right of refusal on sale of a property in the lease? Uh, absolutely. You know, for, for typically a right of first refusal a landlord doesn't charge for that. If you wanted an option to buy it, typically mm -hmm. that mean, an option means they've taken it off the market and you, and they cannot sell it to anybody, but you during that option period, you will mm -hmm. have to pay for that option cash. Uh, a right of first refusal. A lot of times they don't charge you anything because all they're going to do is they're going to come and say, 
They're going to hand you the written offer that they've gotten from a third party and say, look, this is what I've gotten. Can you match it in 30 days? Yes or no. Um, So if you think that it's something that you want to do uh, or, or could do, then you might get a right of first refusal written into the lease. Again, I, I can tell you, I've seen so many poorly written rights of first refusal that would never hold up in court because they weren't written by a lawyer. It just says, I've got a right of first refusal um, on this property. And I have you have to, to ask you, me first. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I have to tell you in 10 days whether I'm going to buy it. And that's all it says. doesn't say about, you know, what kind of offer it has to be. Uh, it doesn't say when you have to close. Uh, it doesn't say, in, you know, uh, anything. So um, that's another example. If you're serious about that right of first refusal, you need to have it written by a lawyer. Right of first refusals have the multiple steps that all need to occur on certain time frames in order for uh, it to, to go smoothly and right. And if, and if it's vague, then it may not be enforceable and you think you have a right of first refusal, but, but you don't, you really don't because it's so poorly written. Yeah. That's something I think more and more about like, cause I'm well going back to just the renewal and first right of refusal and all that stuff is the renewal specifically, you should probably have that conversation at least a year out because if you guys are not aligned, at least you have a year to kind of get your ducks in a row and go somewhere else. Um, so you should have, I know typically it says six months typically about like, Hey, you need to notify landlords six months in advance if you don't intend to do that. Um, my recommendation is like, you need to have that, conversation a year out because six months probably not even enough to find a space and figure out how quickly you're going to move like absolutely in in that window so and and you just want you don't want to and you definitely don't want to be in a rush to sign a new lease like you want to have looked at property after property after property and 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 be and maybe find that property that's not listed but you've been asking around long enough that somebody's like hey i was going to put on the market but like if you're interested i'll just we can sort this out right now um, what's in, what's interesting too, is I think, you know, if you're, if you're a tenant or looking to be a tenant and let's just say you listen to this podcast and you learn about things like cam and TI and abated rent and the landlord's lien and personal guarantees, you know, if you're more educated when you come to that landlord and they can, deter, they can tell that you're a little bit more savvy than the average, uh, first of all, they're going to be looking at you like, Oh, this is just a personal trainer coach. You know, what does this person know about business? Absolutely. You know? <laughs> like, I'm, you, this guy's a sucker. <laughs> yeah. And if you really come across well and you come across as a savvy, business smart uh, uh, tenant, that's going to change the negotiation tone completely with that. One thousand percent. Like that is so, a totally the tone of that conversation will literally take a 180. Absolutely. So you need to be ready. Go buy yourself a book. Google it. Educate yourself. Uh, so that, so that you're not getting, you know, because most, most leases are typically landlord friendly, uh, because the landlord most of the time has, has the upper hand on the tenant. And in a, in a CrossFit box situation, I can guarantee you that's going to be the case. Most of Mm -hmm. the time, um, you've got a, you've got a new business starting out, a person who may not have ever run a business before, um, and, and they're going to be looking at you that you're just, you know, some coach, some personal trainer that you don't have mm-hmm. a lot of business experience. Uh, so you need to, you need to educate yourself, come across really well. 
uh, and make them realize that you know what you're talking about. And if you have a lawyer on the front end, that changes negotiations as well. Yeah, every, everything will be, every, they'll walk the straight and narrow if, they, if that's the case. <laughs> um, I want to, because I mean, like, I, I mean, it is what it is. And you can say like the, the commercial real estate space is not, um, I don't want to say kind or friendly, but like, it's a rough business. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. And it's, um, you know, it's not like somebody who's trying to lease you a house and, you, and no. you're talking about, you're talking about where to put the swing set in the backyard and it's going to look so cute to have your family in here. No, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a much tougher scenario and it's definitely a, a buyer beware scenario. You need to, you need to know what you're getting into. And, and we're talking a lot of money. We talked about this the first time when we were talking about leasing issues on COVID. I mean, I was, I was one day away the other day from suing a lady for $140,000 in rent because she was going to walk away from her, her lease on my clients. And this is a very small space, relatively mm -hmm. speaking. Um, she felt, felt like there was a clause in the lease that let her get out because of the COVID shutdowns. Well, I explained to her that not only did I disagree, but she was just flat wrong. She was mm -hmm. reading it a, a certain way. She had not consulted a lawyer and we were just a day away from filing a suit against her to sue for the, for the rest of the rent. And that was going to be $140,000 with a personal guarantee. My, my client who is a good person, uh, he said, let me call her and talk to her one last time. And they worked it out. This was over $5,000 worth of rent firm. $5,000. Oh my God. <laughs> she was going to walk away because she wasn't getting free, uh, seven weeks worth of free rent that amounted to $5,200. That's insane. And she was going to get sued for 140. And I had told her that in an email. I said, if you walk away from this lease, we will sue you for all the rent. And that's $140,000. So, you know, that's how silly things get and, and um, sometimes how short-sighted tenants get. Um, when you're looking at this lease, you got to remember that you are responsible for a contract that says you are going to pay rent until the end of this lease. Mm -hmm. uh, and unless something drastic happens, you're on the hook for that. Yeah, there, I mean, there's definitely some stuff. So I had, a, had another space that uh, we were we're actually still in an ongoing lawsuit with the landlord. So I'll give everybody the short and short, but then I want to move to your C flag issue. The, um, they sued me, we won. And now we're going into appeal, which that court date is probably 85 years from now at this point. Um, but that is when I truly actually found out the value of a lawyer because like we had to go to trial for that. Like we, they sued me and it was like, it was clear that they were in the wrong because it was really shady about just termination of lease and how they executed and all that stuff uh, and kept me in the dark about some things. But that being said, I was right, but I'm, this is going to end up being a two and a half year lawsuit. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if, if you don't want to get taken by, you know, there's plenty of, unfortunately there's plenty of commercial landlords out there that will, will push the envelope or try to take you. If you don't want to get taken, then you've got to be protected. And these guys have money. Let's just throw that out there too, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. a lot of this is not necessarily them uh, like waiting to win, but like, and some of these strategies is just to bleed you dry via, via the process of going to court. Absolutely. You know, a lot of these, and, and you can't emphasize that what you just said enough. A lot of commercial landlords own a lot of real estate. 
and they have a lot of money and they, and they've been doing this for a long time. And so, you know, you're not, you're not, you may not be getting in where your landlord's some 75 year old man who just has one building that he has for retirement income. I mean, you're going to end up running into some of these folks who, um, who've been doing this a long time, have a lot of property and have, um, have a lot of uh, deep pockets. Yeah. Like the, this, this lawsuit to them is, is like going to Starbucks, right? I mean, this this guy probably, he owns a significant percentage of Virginia beach. I'll tell you that. And does not care. Does not care. Yeah. And they also have, you know, they have egos and they have reputations and they don't. Oh yeah. His reputation is not good. (laughs) Or, and they don't want the reputation of being pushed around by a tenant. Correct. Right. So, so, you know, you've got a lot at stake there. Um, cool. I want to switch uh, gears because we're, we're crushing this right now. It's a lot of good stuff and I don't mind going this long. Um, so tell me about your, so the last time we had the, uh, the last time the podcast was largely about kind of dealing with COVID and understanding your lease and all that stuff, but you had somebody reach out after that, correct? Right. Based on your podcast, uh, we had uh, a, an affiliate owner reach out uh, to me through my email for CFLAG, which is CrossFit Legal Action Group. And just real quick for anybody who may have missed the first one, CrossFit HQ is trying to amass an army of lawyers who will represent affiliates either pro bono, which means free, uh, or at a significantly reduced rates. These would be lawyers who are members of CrossFit affiliates, who love CrossFit, who understand the community, understand uh, the benefits that we bring to our communities and society, uh, and want to help the cause. So, um, my email is Jeff, it's G E O F F, not J E F F, G E O F F at C flag, C F L A G dot law. Uh, they reached out, they were having exactly the problem. Uh, they missed a couple months worth of rent, and the landlord uh, wanted to evict them early. Um, and this was one of those scenarios, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. The landlord didn't want to work with them because mm-hmm. the landlord had a better deal coming in and thought, well, I can evict them six months earlier and I can get my new tenant in here to start mm-hmm. working and maybe they'll. And so uh, they contacted me and myself and Dale Saran. Yep. You probably know Dale. Dale yep. was general counsel for CrossFit uh, for a long time. For a long time. And Dale's one of our C flag lawyers and part of our founding executive committee. He and I, uh, got together and, and helped this affiliate. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, the affiliate was able to locate a lawyer who knew what, uh, they were doing and it, it changed, uh, the entire, uh, sense of the negotiation. So I say that to say two things. One, that's what C flag is for. If you're an affiliate owner out there listening, or if you're a member of affiliate, um, we are looking for lawyers in your affiliates have them contact me. We are trying to build this army of lawyers to benefit these affiliates and, and we need to find them. Um, so if you have a lawyer in your affiliate, um, have them contact me if they're interested. Uh, and two, this just shows that these issues are out there and, and these affiliates need that help uh, in the middle of COVID and some of the other crazy things that are going on. Um, you know, there, there's going to be issues that come up um, that we, uh, that you just can't foresee, you know, um, and we're just getting to be a more litigious society. So, uh, I hope that people, Unfortunately. Will, yeah, will help us build C flag, 
to a situation where we can be out there helping affiliate owners. Very cool. So yeah, if you guys have any questions about any of the topics we've, we've discussed here, because this, we, this was a lot. I mean, I've got, uh, hold no, on. We got one it. more fern. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. What do you got? Go ahead. It's important. We didn't go. really talk about force majeure clause. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Force majeure act of God clause. Most, most leases don't have them because landlords don't want them in there. There are typically provisions in leases that say if my building gets destroyed, then you can get out of the lease. That's like earthquake, uh, tornado. If you live where I am, it's a tornado. If you live in California, it's earthquake. Yep. Um, you know, there's provisions like that in there, but they're typically are not active God, uh, or force majeure provisions. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, but my, the, like I have two spaces, one that I sublet in right. another building, but that one, which is a bigger problem, that one specifically has a statement in it about, um, I forget how it's stated, but it's, but it's basically says if the government comes in and makes restrictive laws or something that is not, that is covered. And, I, and so wow. they came to me and they're like, Hey, you're going to pay rent. And they're like, I was like, no. And they're like, why not? I'm like, because it says right here in the lease that this is covered. And they're like, right. and I've like, and they're just crickets ever since then. Um, well, so. and so we need to be as tenants, we need to be negotiating those provisions in our leases uh, for this reason. Um, landlords will push back on it, but we know that COVID is, is not going away. It will be around. But the other issue is now that we have set precedent with these shutdowns, mm -hmm. um, it's going to go one of two ways. In my opinion, when the next time there's something like this happens, it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be shutdowns worse because they, because they saw that it did have some beneficial effects or the pendulum will swing the other way and say, look, we know we saw what we did to our economy and we're not going to shut down. Yeah. But if it, if it, if it goes to the shutdown route, you're going to have the same or worse in the future the next time a pandemic comes up. Yeah. So as tenants, we need to be looking at that. We need to have provisions and you got to be careful. It can't just be a general act of God. Um, yeah. You know, it, it needs to say, you know, a lot of the language will say things like war riots, um, you know, uh, and, but so it, speaking it of that, so that's disease. a, that's a perfect example. Like if it does say riots, there's probably some, I mean, I can't, there's gotta be a, a CrossFit gym out there that was in the path of one of right. some of this stuff. Right. So if you have that in there, like now you can forego that because like your business has been basically damaged due to riots. So, right. And so now some of those damage provisions might also include things like riots. Now, some of them are specific to weather um, and hurricanes, but if it's a general provision that says that if your property is damaged or you can't do business in it and it doesn't say how, then you might be able to also get out of your lease or at least have abated rent. Um, so yeah, again, these are issues that you need to be looking at as a land, as a tenant and the COVID government shutdown thing was not on anybody's radar. Uh, and, and in any leases that have been written in recent history. And so, um, and I write a lot of leases and I look at a lot of leases and I can tell you that almost none of them that I've ever seen have a force majeure act of God provision in them because the landlords don't like it. You know, um, my jaw dropped when I like, I was going through that and I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just like, I like, well, it's like getting a four leaf clover. I was like, this is amazing. I'm, I'm good until, you know, and we, and we hit phase two today, which means that the, those businesses can go back open. So they can't even come talk to me about that 
at least realistically until today. Right, right. And I guarantee you what probably happened in that scenario was someone just grabbed some lease form and they didn't even think about it. And, Which would and be shocking just, to me because this is a billion-dollar company. <laughs> wow. With a B. Yeah, I'll tell mean, you what happens though, sometimes, too, is they take a lease form uh, and they forget to delete certain parts, too. Uh, well, listen, uh, turned out know, for me this time. I've, uh, I've, gotten yeah, unlucky, yeah. I've gotten unlucky plenty enough times that I'll take that luck for this one, so it was good. Yeah. Um, well, listen, brother, this was awesome. Like, we covered a ton of stuff, and, I mean, I don't know what else we could have covered that somebody needs to know as far as like getting into a new lease that wouldn't put them down the right track. So this was awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad to do it. Um, you guys are doing great work. Just uh, affiliates need so many resources and business and law business experience and legal uh, help and, and a little bit of legal knowledge is are two very important things. And unfortunately there are a lot of people who just, don't have the business background they get taken advantage of so yeah and this is important because if you have a crossfit gym you have a lease so you know whether yeah. it's a mortgage or a lease so like this you probably took something out of this um, but Absolutely. if you guys have questions uh for jeff about any of this stuff about c flag in general if you got issues you're like you don't know what to do um you know pump the brakes shoot him an email and uh and he will help you guys out because again like you guys if you didn't listen to the first one he, you know he's obviously a lawyer and deals specifically in this space um but is an avid crossfitter too so he, he's out to help um one last thing on the c flag for the lawyers do those lawyers need to be in the real estate space or is it just no no we're looking lawyer. for okay. them in all different all different uh, specialties because okay. we never know when somebody's going to need a certain, uh, certain kind of help. Um, Got it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it, all different specialties, nobody, uh, everybody's welcome, you know, um, and we can always find, uh, ways for those lawyers to help affiliates. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So you guys, if you, you Chances are you probably got a lawyer in your gym. Um, ask them if they're interested, if they are connect them with Jeff and then that will be, um, and you probably just need to strike up a relationship there anyway. So, um, awesome. I guys, I really, really hope this helped. I learned a couple of things here, which is fantastic. But uh, again, if you got questions about C flag, about any of this stuff, go ahead, uh, hit Jeff up. If you can't, if you don't want to do that, hit us up, we'll pass you off and, uh, and happy to help. Thanks brother. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Fern. Y'all take care and I'll, I'll be back if you need me. Yes, sir. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. If you haven't already do us a favor head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself. Hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting Best Hour of Their Day.